Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. Tomorrow on June 1st, Kentucky is celebrating its 230th anniversary as a U.S. state. And over its nearly two and a half centuries of existence, Kentucky has become well known for many things. Bourbon, bluegrass music, and Kentucky Fried Chicken, to name but a few. But recently, one of my friends who listens to this podcast by the name of Lauren told me about a piece of Kentucky legal history that should definitely be more well-known. The Kentucky State Tree Dispute. Every U.S. state has a state tree, and I've covered over half of them on my show by now. Most of the time, these things are decided by a statewide vote or poll, but determining which forest champion should represent Kentucky was a bit more challenging. The primary contenders for this position were the tulip poplar and the Kentucky coffee tree. Today, I'm going to introduce you to both of these species, explain how they caused so much turmoil in the General Assembly, and give you my opinion of who the rightful ruler of Kentucky's woodlands should be. begin by introducing you to the tulip poplar. This tree is related to neither tulips nor poplars. Other commonly used names for the tree are the tulip tree and the yellow poplar, again neither of which are very accurate. To be more accurate, this tree is a relative of the magnolia. It's in the same family but finds itself in its own genus. The scientific name of the tulip poplar is Liriodendron tulipifera, which ultimately means the tulip-bearing lily tree. It is also not related to lilies. The tulip poplar grows throughout the eastern half of the United States, as far south as the Gulf of Mexico, as far north as the southern extent of New England, and as far west as the Mississippi River. It is considered the tallest hardwood tree in the eastern United States, with one individual reaching heights of over 191 feet, or around 58.5 meters. It's technically the tallest tree in general in that half the country, but the eastern white pine is historically known to grow over 200 feet, and I guess is still considered to be taller, even though its current champion tree is 10 feet shorter. The tulip poplar does have very neat features. Let's start with its leaves. They are palmately lobed, a similar shape to maple leaves but the tulip poplar specifically has only four very symmetric lobes. It's kind of hard to describe its shape, and I'll have pictures up on my website and social medias. Some sources have described it as star-shaped, but it's always looked like something else to me. Think of, like, a dinosaur's footprint. That rounded base with three big rounded toes on the top end? That, but with four toes instead of three is what I always see in these leaves. The flowers of these trees are where we get the tulip half of its name. They grow high up in the tree and look like beautiful yellow tulips, easily one of the prettiest tree flowers I've seen, but they are related to magnolias and that whole group is known for showy flowers. They're very popular with a variety of pollinators. Butterflies and hummingbirds love them, but they are also important for honeybee populations. When the flowers are pollinated and turn into fruits, we end up with what is called a Samara aggregate. 
Samaras are these dry-winged capsules. Ash tree fruits are Samaras, and maple fruits are considered double-winged Samaras. Those trees usually bear their fruits singly, but on the tulip poplar, they are all packed into clusters that take on a shape similar to the tulip, but also look a little bit like a half-eaten pine cone. I think you've got enough to visualize these tall, straight wonders, so I'll move on to the other contender, the Kentucky coffee tree. The Kentucky coffee tree has a somewhat misleading name as well. This is not the tree that coffee comes from, However, the seeds of this tree have historically been used as a poor man's coffee substitute, though as I understand it, the product is notably bitter and of much poorer quality. Its scientific name is Gymnocladus dioicus. Gymnocladus comes from Greek roots meaning naked branch. This is in reference to how the coffee tree is always the first tree to drop its leaves and fall. Not even in fall, though, like, you get close to that time of year and have that one refreshingly cool day, and all of a sudden the coffee tree's leaves are just done. Dioicus is in reference to this tree being dioecious, meaning that there are male and female trees. Male trees just release pollen, while female trees are what take in the pollen and make fruit. On monoecious trees, every individual can produce both pollen and fruit. Kentucky coffee trees find themselves a part of the massive and hugely important family, Fabaceae. This is the pea or legume family, and every plant that produces bean pods is in it. Its closest relative is another U.S. legume known as the honey locust, but it is more distantly related to many plants we regularly consume. Peas, beans, peanuts, soybeans, and many more. The coffee tree's native range, though, is much more limited than the tulip poplar, primarily extending from central Oklahoma, northeast to western Ohio and southern Michigan. Only northern Kentucky ends up seeing real coffee tree forests, which is interesting that Kentucky is in its name. And in those forests, the coffee tree rarely stands out amidst the overall canopy. They have the potential to grow over 100 feet or 30 meters, but rarely do. That being said, it makes it so us people can more easily see its lovely features. The coffee tree's leaves are a shape called bipinnately compound. Some tree species have simple leaves, a single blade. Some trees have compound leaves, where multiple small leaflets grow from the central leaf stalk and all are considered part of a single leaf. Bipinnately compound leaves have smaller leaf stalks growing off of that main leaf stalk, and those substalks are what grow the leaflets. The nuance and shape gives these leaves a feathery textured appearance. Kentucky coffee tree leaves probably have the worst fall color of any tree though, not because it's a gross color, but because you barely see the color at all before they fall in early September. And the flowers aren't terribly showy either, they're very small and mostly white. Some can be purplish, but others can actually take on a greenish hue, and it's easy to confuse them for small leaves. But come late summer and fall, you get some big old coffee beans. The fruits are bean pods, like every other plant in this family. These bean pods, to me, look like bananas. Around the size of a banana, but dark brown, like a banana that you forgot in the freezer and flattened a bit, similar to other pea pods. The casing is hard and can be tough to crack open, 
but when you do, you are greeted with a bed of substance similar to coagulated honey that encases shiny brown seeds the size of nickels. These are actually poisonous, but roasting them is supposed to eliminate any compound that would be harmful to humans. It's actually kind of comical to see Kentucky coffee trees in the fall. Everything around them is boasting colorful foliage, while these trees are completely bare, save for the ripe bananas hanging from their thick twigs. I think that gives you a good picture of this contender. So now the match is set. I've tried to be impartial in my descriptions, a little good here and a little bad there. At this point, do you have any opinions about the two? Because Kentucky sure does. Kentucky's General Assembly first approached the idea of a state tree in 1956. From the get-go, there was controversy, though the coffee tree had yet to be a part of any of it. It seems that a lot of support across the state was in favor of trees like the catalpa or the sycamore, but the General Assembly itself decided to rule in favor of a third tree, the tulip poplar. This decision was contentious, as it was viewed that the assembly was overruling popular opinion. Regardless, the matter was laid to rest until 1973, when a minor legal issue was brought before the assembly. It seems that when the decision for a state tree was made 17 years earlier, it was never officially included in the Kentucky statutes, and thus had not been legally finalized. Kentucky technically still did not have a state tree. All it would take would be to go ahead and insert the tulip poplar into the statutes to finish what was started years ago, but certain Kentucky residents had other plans. One newspaper columnist by the name of Joe Creason took this limbo period to start a campaign to vote out the tulip poplar and replace it with another Kentucky symbol, the Kentucky coffee tree. He had a tough hill to climb, though, because the consensus of the assembly was that just actually finishing the paperwork for the tulip poplar was so much easier to do. In order to sway legislators to his side, Creason brought in historians to validify the superior significance of the Kentucky coffee tree and Kentucky's state history. Recorded history of the coffee tree dates back to the time when Western pioneers were crossing these new lands. Native Americans were known to have shown these pioneers how to roast the seeds and make a stimulating hot beverage that was similar enough to coffee. This coffee substitute helped pioneers more extensively explore and settle these lands, as it was one less supply that needed to be hauled around if it could be foraged for naturally. The natives also apparently ground coffee tree roots into a powder that had medicinal applications. Written resources also indicated that founding fathers like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington were particularly fond of the coffee tree and hand-planted individuals on their property in the Northeast. The wood of the coffee tree was seen as a particularly high-quality resource that was deeply valued and given the nickname Kentucky Mahogany. And then there was a retired county agent who came to the General Assembly and told them that this designation was more important than ever because the Kentucky coffee tree was an endangered species. This claim is patently false. It's definitely a vulnerable species and it's losing habitat, but it's not endangered. This habitat loss is thought to be because the coffee tree's natural seed dispersers are long gone. 
those seeds are too heavy to be carried by wind, so an animal would be more likely to have to carry it off. But the seeds are toxic to animals human size and smaller. So the theory is that it was a food source for megafauna that have gone extinct. And since that extinction, the coffee tree's forest presence has been slowly dwindling. Regardless, the coffee tree definitely gained some traction with these details, but ultimately the tulip poplar was still more popular. But before any final decision could be made, Joe Creason, the columnist who started the coffee tree craze, died. And with his passing, the passion for this Kentucky forest icon was reignited like never before. Arguments about the state tree were constant, and the Kentucky governor, who was close friends with Creason, was accused of using strong-arm tactics to push for the coffee tree. A governor allegedly threatened violence over the state tree. Throughout this time, sales for Kentucky coffee tree seedlings skyrocketed as popular favor for the tree hit the roof. Legislators and tulip poplar supporters claimed that all this outcry with the state tree decision was only so that these nurseries could make a ton of money. And it wasn't considered at all that the boom in coffee tree seedlings was really beneficial to the environment. The debate continued on and off for years until a final vote was held in 1976, and the Kentucky state tree was changed to be the Kentucky coffee tree. The Kentucky governor celebrated this victory on Arbor Day that year by planting a coffee tree seed at the Capitol, a seed given to him years earlier by his late friend Joe Creason. But that's not yet the end of this story. In 1988, the issue of the state tree was once again brought forward to the Kentucky General Assembly. There was no legal issue this time around, it was just resentful tulip poplar supporters that wanted the law amended so the tulip poplar could take its crown back. But the amendment died in committee, and tulip poplar supporters went home sad, but not yet defeated. They waited, and they planned. And in 1994, they came back to the General Assembly again. This time with mountains of supporting evidence in favor of their champion tree. They argued that there was still decades of literature and reference material stating that the state tree was the tulip poplar. All that had yet to be updated, and updating it would cost the state and publishers a fortune. The coffee tree supporters, who you know were just ready to fight back, retorted that the tulip poplar was already the state tree of both Tennessee and Indiana. Kentucky should at least try and be original. But the tulip poplar crowd had taken a page from the coffee camp's book and brought in historians to validify the superior significance of the tulip poplar in Kentucky state history. In this part of the country, tulip poplar wood was the wood for building canoes, both for native tribes as well as for the pioneers. The coffee tree might have given them energy, but the tulip poplar gave them a means to navigate America's extensive waterways. Daniel Boone, a Kentucky and general American folk hero, was said to have created a 50 to 60 foot long canoe out of a tulip poplar log and moved his entire family down the Ohio River in it. Aside from that, the wood was a terrific resource for furniture and general construction because it was light and easy to work with. It was a popular wood to construct pipes and troughs for nitrate mining in the famous Mammoth Cave, nitrate that was used to make gunpowder that helped win the War of 1812. 
The tulip poplar is the fastest growing and most adaptive tree in the state of Kentucky, especially compared to the Kentucky coffee tree whose habitat is decreasing and loses their leaves at the first hint of a chill breeze. As arguments once again grew persistently heated over the matter of the state tree, an amendment was proposed to simply make both trees the state tree of Kentucky. After all, California has both the Coast Redwood and the Giant Sequoia as state trees. But the amendment was shot down immediately. Peace was not to be had. Finally, the new bill proposing that the tulip poplar regain its throne went through the assembly. I think they were just very tired of this being such a huge issue. Both sides of Congress approved the switch, and the paperwork was sent to the governor. On March 9th, 1994, the tulip poplar was officially renamed the State Tree of Kentucky, but without the governor's signature. That's the end of the controversy. For now, at least. It's been decades now since the argument was brought before the General Assembly, but who knows if the debate will ever truly be over. But now that you've heard the story, which side of the aisle do you stand on? Do you think Kentucky's state tree should be the tulip poplar? Or should it be the Kentucky coffee tree? And I bet you're wondering what my opinion is. I'll try and sate your curiosity with a personal anecdote. In my junior year of college, I took a forestry course that involved a semester-long project. We were tasked with collecting a seed from a tree that was native to Oklahoma and growing the seed into a seedling that we would present to the class before we took our final exam. I chose the Kentucky coffee tree. I collected a seed from a tree that stood across the street from my university's recreation center. I scarified the seed, germinated it, and planted it in a pot. I set it on the windowsill in my dorm room and watered it and waited for a few weeks. My intention was to name this tree the Colonel, after Kentucky Fried Chicken. But when this seedling, a tiny green noodle, first broke through the soil and stretched itself into the open air, my heart was struck with overwhelming emotion. All plans fell to the wayside, and I realized that this was, in truth, my firstborn child. And so, I named it Thomas Jr and called it TJ for short. I took care of TJ for months and even threw it a little party on Arbor Day. Before summer break, I proudly presented my offspring to the class and waxed poetic on its natural history and weakening population. I loved that tree. I have had no personal relations with a tulip poplar. In two weeks, I'm going to focus on another broad forestry topic. What does a forester do? What does it mean when someone manages a forest? Join me on June 14th as I give you an overview of how humans manage forests, whether for the purpose of making a profit, making a healthier world, or just making something beautiful. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their awesome stuff at academygarden.bandcamp.com. My cover art is by at Boomerang Brit on Instagram. 
My script editor and social media manager is the wonderful Lori Hilburn. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at My Favorite Trees or on Instagram at Tree Podcast. And if you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. <laughs>